Welcome to the XVZF Podcast. I'm Philip Mendonça-Vier. The story you're about to hear was told by Tom Walsham on February 27th, 2014 at the Magpie Taproom in Toronto. The theme of the evening was non-trivial, stories about the difficult. Okay. Apparently I'm the only guy that's going to sit up here with a beer, but there we go. I'm English. Apologize for that. Um, Non-trivial. Okay, so non-trivial. A non-trivial thing with an audience of people you have no idea who they are is to get some kind of a rise out of them. I'm going to go for an easy one. Um, We've listened to a lot of damn interesting people and damn them for putting me on after... (laughs) some of the inspired stuff that we've heard tonight. But I do want to say, Phil and Wolliver, like, seriously, thank you very much for putting on tonight's evening, and let's do that. And that's the biggest applause I'll get tonight, so there we go. It's okay. So why am I sitting here? (laughs) I, I came here... Okay, so I just got got back from the Congo a few days ago. Uh, You can ask me about that later. This is not what I'm talking about. But So I've sat here for the evening listening to people giving seriously personal, seriously interesting, heartfelt, important stories about their lives. I'm afraid I'm going to close on a less heartfelt note. Maybe that's just my way, but it's... It's been fascinating to kind of reflect on how we see... A lot of what people have talked about today has been their past. Their past through things. Non-trivial has not been an incident. It's not been one thing that has made them go, oh, shit, damn, that's a really hard thing. It's a boring thing to do a technical discussion and say, man, that was a one very hard problem I solved through some really awesome code. How great am I? So, me, I'm not a programmer. Um, I was a horrible programmer. I have some history of that, but... Non-trivial for me is, is that life course. So, I'm going to do the same thing that some people have done. Mine's going to be less interesting, but it's going to be uh, hopefully quick and uh, to the point. But I come from an academic family in Cambridge sort of background, philosophy degree, all of that sort of thing. All seems good, you've got a path, you think you're going to go and do something, and then you realise you've taken a philosophy degree, and you go, oh, shit. (laughs) Watch what you do. Now, thank God, because of my age at the time, I knew how to use a computer, and that was actually an employable skill. So the university gave me a job. It's like, hey, you know how to use a computer? Brilliant. You can run the entire history faculty of the University of Cambridge 250-odd machines and a bunch of servers because you know how to use a fucking computer. Well, great. Thanks very much. By the way, I'm going to swear more than anybody. I've been tracking. Nobody has sweared tonight, and uh, sorry. It's late. I'm going to drink a beer. So, anyway, so I did that sort of thing, and I had some blah, 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 and there was a whole bunch of life, and etc. and somehow I landed in Canada, and Canada appears, and this is usually the story on these kind of paths, and And I appeared here, and it was the early 2000s, and I had no money, and I had no job, and I had a lovely girlfriend at the time, but needed a job. 
for the context, I was working in the careers service in the university back in England. That's what my mum does by career, etc. Arrive in Canada, I need a career. Great, I'll just go and tap those sort of things. No, it doesn't work that way. So I answered a job. And that job said technology, industry, blah, 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 startup, fantastic, equity, etc. Sounded jolly good. I went down to Liberty Village. I went into some old industrial crapple and found some people in there with promises. And it was the best kind of promises. It was a job. It was a career. It was all those things. But it was the adult industry. Do you know what the adult industry is, they said? Oh, I'm not entirely sure, but I think I might have encountered it at some point. <laughs> so, at this point, all of your parents' hopes and desires, and your mum who's a careers advisor and all these things... It's been six months. I've applied for a lot of jobs. I've not got anything. I'm a self-taught Flash developer who has no clue how to do anything. So yeah, lovely, I'd love the job, that'd be great. I can't wait to tell my mum. <laughs> so I tell my mum, it's a startup. <laughs> it's gonna be great, I've got equity. We're going all the way to the top. What's it about, dear? Well, it's in the adult industry. The, the what? The adult industry, yeah. Okay, so, adult industry. So, I have ethical concerns about the adult industry. I have ethical concerns about many industries that I continue to work in these days. Um, let's not be hypocrites about it. So, anyway, take the job. There we go. What's funny is you go into an industry and you find the quirks, and those are really the things that are fun. You're like, for the first two weeks, everything's amazing, and it's like, whoa. And as somebody said earlier tonight, <laughs> there's something you love like the opera, and when you think you love something, you want to go into that industry, <laughs> and you get heavily involved in it, and you suddenly, the, the sheen just, disappears. Anyway, so <laughs> there, there I am and I'm working with designers and designers are lovely people and they've great and they've, they've got some leeway and they've got some interesting ideas and what they complain about is the CSS standards. They go, CSS standards don't allow for curves. <laughs> yes, it's all boxes and funnily enough the kind of things you have to put on designs for adult websites are not actually boxes. They have curves. So let's push for some CSS standardization that allows for a little bit more flexibility around those corners. Um, it's those sorts of things that you encounter on a regular basis. But what's funny is I started the job and, and we've got to talk about adversity and we've got to talk about what was non-trivial about this. Well, telling my parents that was non-trivial but it was a hump you can get over and you're like, okay, great, I'm in this you get into the industry and you proceed through and you sort of start working and the more you work, the more you realize that there's its whole crazy fucked up underworld of things. There's the very legitimate industry that I worked in, which I will say the Toronto technical uh, industry, given, you know, the old statistic, like with 30 people in a room, odds are two of them have got the same birthday. Number of people in this room, somebody in here has also worked in porn, let's be honest. 
Um, Liberty Village was built on the adult industry in Toronto. There's an enormous history here and some, some, uh, some great technical achievements were done through that sort of thing. <laughs> One of our initiatives... So what we did was we, uh, we did uh, video on demand of other people's DVDs, which we were basically Netflix before Netflix, with not quite the same content that Netflix might be. <laughs> and uh, Netflix charge you $7 a month. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, video on demand, we charged you a different way. It was actually charged by the second. <laughs> yeah. I was the data guy. That's basically the niche I moved into. I'll give you a statistic. Two and a half minutes. <laughs> Average session time. It was a relevant statistic. It drove so much. Oh, my God. So you... You don't have anything coming into this industry. There's no benchmark to go to. There's no hacker news. Hacker News for the adult industry was a forum called, I kid you not, Go Fuck Yourself. <laughs> that was it. So, you, um, hmm, how shall I tackle this challenging problem? I know, I'll go and post a thread on Go Fuck Yourself. <laughs> and often the response was, Go Fuck Yourself. It was a competitive industry, so uh, there, uh, there was all this competition. There was all this joy and there was all this like there was joy generally like it was like wow look at this we've got 60 people we're making 60 million dollars in fucking revenue and i kid you not 60 million dollars in revenue just flowing through the doors early 2000s it was easy to make money in this industry and so you come in and you think you're like a fucking rock star oh look at me Woo! i put a thing on a page and i managed to tweak this by two percent i just made half a million dollars on doing a simple thing just to clarify, I'm a philosophy graduate who's run some sysadmin shit and did a moderately interesting zombie flash game. That was basically my resume up to this point. And then if you've got that, it's the equivalent of you know how to use a computer in the year 2000. It's like, whoa, you want to work in the adult industry? Man, straight to the top. Woo, there you go. So you get caught up in it. And it was, it was an interesting career path. And so my mum... God bless my mum. She's back in the UK and everyone's like, how's Tom doing? Oh, he's doing really well. He's working with a startup. And if it was a dinner party, my sister would chime in and she'd go, yeah, he's working in porn. <laughs> Not so popular. <laughs> so I did this for a number of years, uh, quite a few years. It was lucrative, it was entertaining. There were some lovely... No, there were people involved. Um, some of the tasks that you had to do had some interesting sort of aspects about them. You want to go and commission a new website in a niche that you're not personally involved in. You have to figure out what people actually want. And that's hard. You can't do customer development. This is not the lean startup. You don't go down to Starbucks and say, I'll buy you a coffee if you'll give me feedback on my business idea. It doesn't work that way, right? You have to figure it out through other ways. So you figure it out through data. So what I did was data. I came into this company, and they were pretty incompetent on data. Most companies are incompetent on data. And so I sort of consolidated it. I put it, and there were dashboards, and there were things, and they were pulling things in, and blah, blah, blah. 
And the numbers went upwards, as they usually do, up and to the right. Hooray, hockey stick graphs, and everybody loves those when it comes to data. Let me drink a beer. So, uh, it happened for a number of years. Like, for a number of years, it was great. Like, the per-second billing model was working out. The, uh, man, the whales, like, the two and a half minutes is funny. It's the whales that are kind of depressing. And this is the thing that gets to you once you stick in it for too long. You're like, it becomes normal. And you're like, this person, I look at the number, I look at the data, and I go, this person literally in the last month has spent about seven hours a day <laughs> somewhere doing something we won't extrapolate too far because apparently I'm not supposed to offend or uh, <laughs> such tonight. So uh, data becomes really interesting and so you start following the data and you're obsessed about the data and you tell the boss about the data. Look at this, the data, the data's going up, the data's going down. There was a little blip this week, it was the Super Bowl. Like, the Super Bowl was a relevant event in our financial year because shit went down, and then you'd go and look at the different locations, and whoever won, it would stay flat, and whoever lost, it would go up. Because <laughs> that's what happens with data. Data in that industry is so fascinating. Anyway. So, and it was so fascinating, it was great. And so this was the 2005, 2006, 2007, and everything was great, and everything's going up and up and to the right and all these sort of things. Uh, you feel like you know what the fuck you're doing. And I think some of us, or most of us, hopefully at some point, get the chance to feel like you know what the fuck you're doing. It's a useful thing. You go, hey, look at me, I know what the fuck I'm doing. I have a career that's going to go in this direction. I didn't really ever think I had a career in the adult industry, certainly not as a performer, uh, <laughs> but it was going okay. And then you hit 2007. And in 2007, some genius, some visionary, had seen the YouTube website and thought, you know what, I can do that. But with other people's content. <laughs> and I can take all that traffic I'm going to get and I can sell it to somebody else and they'll probably pay me money. Brilliant. Hence, you wouldn't know about this, it's an industry-specific thing, but YouPorn and Pornhub, you won't have heard those names. I'm looking. Okay. <laughs> so somebody invented that the concept of YouTube for porn. It was an amazing... Uh, revelation. How about we take something that y'all are making a brilliant industry on and give it away for free? <laughs> Amazing. And then what we'll do is we'll take all those people, we'll sell them to the dating industry because that's the world's most legitimate industry. It's not. They're not real. Okay, but Toronto actually has a really strong data industry as well. So it was this weird circle jerk where around 2007, everybody started innovating. Innovating. This is innovating. I'm doing a startup. I'm innovating with a thing whereby I steal all of your content. I hire some guys in the Philippines to download all of your content that you paid money to produce, and then I put it on a free website and sell all of that traffic to the dating industry. And so we saw it coming. I say we, um, a few of us saw it coming. There were threads on go fuck yourself uh, in which these things were discussed. Nobody really realized that it would 
actually come to a head in the way that it did. So what happened was the financials in the industry were ridiculous. So we would charge $40 a month for you to have unlimited access to some website. Or we would charge Pi the second, one of the two. Um, but for those leads, a person spending $1 was actually worth $40. So you would pay out all this money, $40 per lead to get a $1 lead. Completely ridiculous. In the year 2007, it just collapsed, basically. So the, the tube sites came along and they took a billion or multi-billion dollar industry. And for every hundred dollars that were made before, a dollar was made by them afterwards and sold on to other industries. It was primarily pharmacological sites and the dating industry. As the data guy, and you can tell the data guy in an adult company, um, this is the most prurient aspect of my talk. When you type the word anal into the browser, if it comes up with Google Analytics, that's the data guy. <laughs> okay. So as the data guy, I kind of saw this coming. It was, it was prefaced, it was, fore, it was foretold. It was a little bit like kind of some tacky fantasy novel, but um, we tried to foreshadow it, we tried to do some mitigation and all those sort of things, but it was all basically inevitable. And then there was, in the same way that when AOL came online and the Eternal Sunday kicked in on the internet, there was the Eternal Sunday of the adult industry, at which point all of the people, and this was the fascinating thing, the traffic that was coming to your websites was coming primarily from email. You all know email spam, it was a thing, right? Email porn spam was a thing. You get porn spam and you go, what the fuck is this? Why do they even bother sending this? Nobody clicks on this shit, nobody signs up for that. That's ridiculous. Oh my God, they fucking did. And at some point, the email spammers decided that, you know what, it was more lucrative to tell people they could have an eight inch penis than it was to send them to one of your websites. And as the data guy, I watched my graphs go up, 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 up. Boom! It was like anti-Viagra for the porn industry. It was horrific. And the people that precipitated this were these lovely Montrealers, and I won't name this, and this is completely libelous and why this can't actually be a podcast that goes on the internet, because I'll get shot. But basically, in Montreal, there was these very clever guys that decided that if they give everybody else's shit away for free, for long enough... And they sell that traffic to the dating industry and the penis pills and everything else industry. Eventually, everybody will go bankrupt. And then you can buy them. And then they can't sue you anymore. <laughs> which is amazing. Which is literally what they did. So between about 2007 and 2009, uh, people who will remain nameless in Montreal... Uh, did exactly that. <laughs> so they basically bankrupted the adult industry, they bought all of the companies, they owned all the content, and all of the content-related lawsuits went away because, well, they went away. Um, at which point, we pivoted, <laughs> basically. <laughs> we found something else to do, we didn't make any money doing it, it was all fine, I moved on, and everything else was great. But that transition and that sort of anticipation and seeing that from the data perspective was horrifying. It was inevitable. 
But for me, for any content industry, and I guess this is my lesson, I always like to give a takeaway if I talk to people about things. My takeaway for this, if you work in any content industry, there's a race at the bottom, you'll be completely decimated. There is no value in content. It's a depressing and a horrible thought for those of you who like Netflix and all those things. But at the end of the day, when you come out of it at the other end, your mum can now go to a dinner party and tell people what you actually do for a living instead of your sister jokingly telling everybody and it being born, which is not anymore. So thanks very much for listening. That was Tom Walshaw. Tom is a director of product at The Working Group, an email herder at Postagebird, and a wearer of many hats. Talk audio was recorded by Tavi Burns. Podcast production was handled by Chris Melito. Laura Satula was greeting at the door. XVZF is a project by David Wolliver and Philip Gatonzevilla. XVZF is a regularly occurring night for Toronto tech workers to come together and share true personal stories. Find out more at xvzf.io.